Welcome to our fifth episode of our Born Meets World podcast, which at this point in recording, we, we finally have a title for this thing. Um, so uh, we actually started with a concept and then uh, brainstormed on ideas afterwards. We landed on Sean's Lost Siblings, and that is, um, that is our way of poking fun at the inconsistency of the show. And one of the, the first things we talked about when we were originally discussing uh, doing this podcast was uh, with Sean's siblings. And I think it was actually Mark who brought it up, how he remembers how he had like a brother that disappeared, a, a sister that disappeared. And, and we're all like, all oh, right, exactly that. And, um, and that kind of fueled us going into this. And then we brainstormed about potential names for it. And uh, Mark brought that up again, something about the siblings. That's where we got uh, the name from. Since we are on a, an odd episode number, um, Mark, I'm going to let you uh, give the, uh, the brief synopsis again. So why don't you start us off? Yeah, so this is episode five, Killer Bee. In this episode, Corey weasels his way into a geography bee because he wants to win the, the prize, which is to be the bat boy in game one of the World Series. The show opens up in the classroom. And this is where Feeney starts by basically announcing the highest score in the most recent uh, geography exam. Um, so he, and right before he announces who got the highest score, Corey does this thing that he's going to repeat again. He does, he says, Minkus. Minkus. Was it Minkus? <laughs> I bet it was Minkus, right? And Feeney pauses and says, Mr. Minkus. Um, and uh, uh, Minkus adds that. Uh, the, the bonus question was a real stumper. Um, he basically he's sucking up to Mr. Feeney, and Sean hits him in the back of the head with a piece of paper. Ow! Uh, he, he does the ow that immediate reaction every single time. And then uh, Mr. Feeney, I guess, announcing the highest score is is a nice thing. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you should always do that, but then he goes and starts to give feedback on just about everybody else. And I wrote down some of the names here. He's like, Mrs. Owens, excellent. Mr. Baker, very nice. Mr. Matthews, well, there it is. And, then, <laughs> and that's when Corey just uh, comes right out and he goes, a C, you know, I actually studied for this test, um, which sounds like a, actually a departure from the character that we've, that he's been portrayed as so far. He actually studied for the test. Yeah, I got the same thing too. Studied and got a C. And then he refers back to, I'm sure you know the other kid's name, but he's like, well, he studied for the test mm -hmm. and got a C, and you told him he got a great job. Mm -hmm. Why is mine just all right? Right. Um, which, as a teacher, like, Mr. Feeney's explanation is really none of Corey's business. That's right. Like, um, the potential of other students or how you view the potential of other students is nobody else's business. Right. Um, as a teacher, we're very high on growth mindset. Not your level of achievement necessarily, but are you better than you were the day before? Have you taken what you've learned previously and expanded upon it each day? Right. So if Corey hasn't, then I agree that it's not exemplary. Whereas the other kid was getting D's and F's and then pulled up a C. That's awesome. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I... Feeney kind of brought that conversation upon himself. Yes. By, you know. Announcing. <laughs> everyone's, he didn't give exact scores, uh, but he, he practically did as mm -hmm. he was moving through. Um, when uh, when Corey objects to the fact that he got a C and says he actually studied for this test, uh, he asks, like, Mr. Feeney, like, what, where, where, like, where he went wrong or what he did wrong. And Mr. Feeney starts off by saying, well, you know, for, um, for example, you labeled this one part of the map East Germany. 
you know, you have you not heard of a little incident with the Berlin Wall? There is no East Germany anymore. And Corey throws back at him, you know, well, that's what it says in the textbook. And Mr. Feeney throws back at him that, well, the, the school board doesn't necessarily have the funds to refresh the textbooks all the time. So mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to pay attention in class. He even says, like, read the news. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> like, like, listen to the news or read the news, follow up on that, which I'm not sure that's a reasonable expectation for a kid. No. Uh, to, to try no. to get their, to pass their tests, like, read the, or listen to the news. Especially in sixth grade. Like, everything that's on the test should be things that are covered in class. Absolutely. Um, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't covered in class. Right. Like, Mr. Feeney could have said, don't read your textbook. <laughs> like, here's what we're studying. And he could have. Corey could have been sleeping. It's, uh, it's odd for someone to, at least in my opinion, for someone to not pay attention in class and maybe be oblivious to everything the teacher's talking about, but then go home and study for an exam. And actually put like a tremendous amount of effort into mm-hmm. it. That's, that seems a little bit of like a, a mismatch there. What about the part about the like the textbooks being out of date and stuff? Is that something you can relate to as a teacher? Is that is that fair? Well, in elementary school, the information that we're doing is like foundational level stuff. Um, right recently, I've been teaching stuff about like community roles in the community, responsibilities of people in the community, and things like that. So that type of stuff doesn't really go out of date. I can tell you, teaching in Philadelphia, I really did not have a social studies curriculum, Mm. did not have a science. Well, we had a curriculum, but we didn't have materials. So it was on us to teach it and find it. We didn't have any books or anything like that. We actually had a class dedicated to it, though? Okay, so social studies usually was the first thing that was thrown out if you didn't have time. They focused heavily (laughs) on reading and math. Um, But um, we were still responsible to get it done, but it just didn't get the time. Um, If I'm teaching social studies, I was finding supplementary materials with my grade team, and we were discussing how to implement it. So textbooks, no. Um, Wow. My science materials when I was in Philadelphia was literally a box of rocks. What? Yes. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Can you explain that for a minute? (laughs) (laughs) So one of the science units is different types of rocks and how they're formed. Um, Okay. So the previous teacher left a crate full of rocks there, and that was all I had. (laughs) Here, kids, have a catch. Wow. Okay. That's uh, that's actually far worse than the situation. <laughs> I'd rather that's far worse than the situation. Corey's in here with a slightly outdated textbook. Like, I can't yeah, believe I can't believe that if they don't have time to cover social studies, they just don't. Uh, when I was in school, look, social studies was my weakest subject, just about all the time, because um, it wasn't in math. You just kind of learn a formula. You just kind of know how it works. Same thing mm-hmm. with, with English. You just kind of learn the rules, know how it works. Yeah. Having to actually study and retain information, I know that makes me sound like an idiot, but that would be something I struggle with, like going back and reading a book and just trying to memorize like these facts. Um, I do want to throw out there, the, the district I'm in now, fantastic with materials and making sure we have everything we need that's good. to teach students. Good. <laughs> so I don't feel like I'm out on an island. Like I'm supported with materials and, and administration. Good. So, um, so so Corey complains that uh, that geography always changes, and that yeah, what um, good is geography? Okay. <laughs> Why does it keep changing? That's not fair. And he explains how there's other subjects always stay the same. And he says math two plus two always equals four. Uh, in science, you know, the um, the Earth always revolves around the sun. Um, 
And then he says, history, Lincoln always gets shot in the head. Um, the part that I thought was, was actually kind of funny was, uh, I've heard of this new math style that they teach now in school. Okay. It's not like the results change, but, um, or basically when, when kids do math now, it's almost like a, this weird graph thing. Like when they borrow and carry specifically. Okay. Do you have any experience with this at all? All right. So like the common core math, a lot of people complain about it because it's different than how they learned it. Right. The problem that they were running into with the traditional methods is students are visual learners. They need to see how it's working to understand it. Okay. So most people can sit down and do it, but they don't necessarily understand why what they're doing works. That makes perfect sense. So as you move along in math, like these foundations that they're teaching in elementary school goes into like bigger, larger concepts, which will help them understand that as well. Cool. So um, it's also part of mental math strategies where like instead of having to do it on paper, like you can break things apart in your head based mm-hmm. on those visualizations that you've seen in the past and then do it in your head. So you might spend more time learning it, mm-hmm. but you're better at it later. Awesome. So, Th- Thank you for the explanation. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, I, basically, what I was trying to point out here was he basically lists three subjects that never change. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, actually, they change quite a bit. <laughs> like in science, science, like um, you, know, you come up with a hypothesis, yeah. determine whether or not something is like reasonably true. Uh, but it can change. It absolutely does. And that's why, it's also why people have like uh, scientific journals like to, um, you know, uh, to verify like someone else's findings, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like to come to some sort of agreement. So things absolutely can change in a science book. I can't imagine one published 20 years ago reads the same as it does right now. No way. Um, and even history, our spin on history certainly changes. <laughs> <laughs> there is no more Columbus Day, basically. Yeah. There's a good reason for it. Um, but yeah, history, at least our portrayal of it or understanding of it, does change a little. So and this argument kind of sucks. I've actually been watching some videos on that recently on how different countries teach what happened in World War II. Like how Germany mm. teaches it and how Japan Dude. teaches it. Um, and they definitely put different spins on it because they want to... Um, portray themselves well it's like least, sensationalized yeah japan wants to portray themselves in more of a positive light yeah um germany they they do some things there mm-hmm. to to uh, distance themselves from the regime at the time yeah but they do recognize the mistakes that happen mm-hmm. at least from the videos that i watched so it, it's always interesting to see how different people look at the same event which should be concrete yeah like what happened happened but like you said how you view it and how you interpret it can change 100 and mm-hmm. i um i i can't even cite what podcast it was or who it was but i heard somebody and this is obviously just anecdotal evidence because it's a single person talking about it but someone who grew up like in germany said um in school they basically try to avoid talking about world war ii and there is a, a general like uh shame in that society mm-hmm. about how that happened so they try to avoid it because it's mm-hmm. embarrassing um, which is a whole lot better than glorifying it. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I, I totally appreciate that. The fact that they cover it all is very good. Well, there's, dude, there's skeletons in our closet. Like obviously, like Christopher Columbus, which has kind of you know only come out fairly recently. Yeah. I'm sure there's some other stuff too. Um, well, people weren't too happy with how the Vietnam War was handled. Yeah. So um, yeah, which isn't fair to the soldiers that were fighting it because they were just doing their country a service. Yeah. It's not like they were the one that decided to go to war. It was they right. were put in that situation 
and followed orders. And things that happen too in it's not necessarily everybody. Every soldier does like the same thing mm-hmm. that you might find despicable. It's like yeah. little incidents here or there. So, mm-hmm. but it's just the uh, the portrayal it gets. So, um, after Corey gives that whole argument about how things never change. Uh, Mr. Feeney says, Lincoln got off easy. <laughs> and the last part of that sentence being, by being killed, <laughs> rather than having to teach this class. Uh, so after that little line, we get our, our typical intro, and then we're, we're right back in the classroom. And uh, Feeney announces they have this um, regional geography tournament, and he says that he has fielded a champion for the last five years straight. And he has selected who his... Uh, Competitor is going to be, and Corey does the Minkus. Is it Minkus again? Minkus. <laughs> and then uh, Mr. Feeney reveals that it is indeed uh, Mr. Minkus. And then uh, Mr. Feeney announces the prize, and this is where Minkus gets super excited um, because he wants it to be this. And it's cited pretty much word for word later on in this uh, episode, a Mercator pull-down projection wall map, which mm-hmm. apparently, I guess, if you are the 90s portrayal of a dork, this is the best thing in the world. One of these maps. Um, and Mr. Feeney has to tell him, no, it's actually Bat Boy at the opening game of the World Series. What's your input on? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I don't know if the World Series like teams were already announced, but 1993, the season, the, uh, the year the season came out, the Phillies played Toronto, and I checked the opening game was in Toronto. So were they planning on flying the kid out? Like, did they make sure they had a passport? <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, this—it's a regional geography tournament. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking probably East Coast, maybe like Northeast at best. Yes. And the winner gets to go to the World Series, and they didn't say which teams were playing. No, they <laughs> did say at the end of the episode something about Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds! Which he plays for San Francisco. That's right. So maybe they didn't know who was going to be playing That's in the right. World Series at they that didn't. time. But still, they're they're suggesting that they're going to fly a kid out to another city. Right. To, to do this. Right. And it's just, it's odd that like this, it, wouldn't, shouldn't it be a national tournament? If that's the prize, <laughs> right, I would think so. By the way, that is a pretty stinking awesome prize. Yes, and it I is. don't care how much of a dork Minkus is or how disconnected he is from, from sports in general. You're probably pretty pretty psyched about that. It's, it's just, a memory. You it's... get to meet a celebrity. It's a memory. And all the kids who maybe pick on you or um, just give you a hard time in general are going to be super jealous of oh, this absolutely. thing you've got. And they're going to want to talk to you about it. Maybe you bring home some memorabilia. They're going to want to see it. Like, you could easily be the most popular kid in class, at least for a short time, mm-hmm. like, leading up to it. Yeah. Um, so this is where, when, when Corey hears this, he wants to find a way to get into this geography tournament because he wants the prize. Mm-hmm. Very clear. And, and Sean says to him, yeah, right. Like, Feeney would pick you. You didn't even know they turned, they tore down the Burlitz Wall. Yeah, <laughs> he listens really well. Um, so I then, what John got on that test? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not very good. Um, so then the bell rings and the kids are exiting, and Corey uh, goes up to Phineas desks um, and tells him that he thinks that picking Minkus for this is a mistake, and. Mr. Feeney is basically like, what on earth would make you think that this is a mistake? Um, and Corey asks him, what do you think the most important uh, like attribute. attribute is to winning? And, and Mr. Feeney's like, talent, skill. And Corey's just shaking his head no the whole time. Yeah. Will and, to win. And Feeney's like, yeah, 
I want you to stop shaking your head at me. And that's where Corey says uh, the will to win. Um, and uh, and Feeney's like, well, this wouldn't have anything to do with you know what the prize is, right? And uh, or your newfound interest in geography wouldn't have anything to do with the prize, like sarcastically. And Corey explains it. No, he's doing it for him. Like he wants to win for him. Um, and uh, and Feeney says, you know, it's concern like yours that gives me full confidence. <laughs> and Corey's like, in me? And he's like, in Minkus. I'm talking about Minkus. Like a, mm-hmm. Also a callback to what, uh, what yeah. Corey was doing with the Minkus thing. Um, so Feeney basically just leaves the classroom after that. And Corey's the last one in the room for whatever reason. Um, I just, I have to point this out too. We get the impression and he even says at one point, I think it might be a later episode coming up in one or two, that he's in the classroom with Feeney for like seven to eight hours a day, right? Yeah, um, yeah probably. Like he seven. has the same teacher all day. Yeah. Where the hell do they go when the bell rings all the time? Like the bell ring like between, does it ring between every class? Or is it just for when they go to lunch? Or is it just for when they need the scene to cut away here? Because where do they go all the time? Why yeah. would there even be a bell? Could be specials. Um, <laughs> Maybe. But they're different for each class. Usually you hear a bell when you have periods and you're going from classroom to classroom. Right. Um, I mean, we'll have bells during the day in elementary school mm-hmm. for uh, opening and for like for like closing and things like that. But everybody's on different schedules Yeah. that it really makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't know. there's no way we can talk about this episode without covering this, but... You might have spotted him already. Someone's back in this classroom. Oh, um, from uh, the Sandlot. He was in the background, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him. What's, what's his name? Oh, um, no, no, not Sandlot. No, actually, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Larry from the Sandlot is in the next one. Oh, okay. But who's in this episode? Do you recall off the top of your head right now? Um, yeah, he's involved in the plot. Um, wait, it's the kid from the second episode. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I do remember it's that. It's Ellis. I don't know. <laughs> I was the one that had to look up his name. <laughs> Ellis is back. So he's in the classroom, at least at this point. Do you know who's um, not in the classroom, though? Topanga. Topanga. Right, yeah, these kids. So, all right, hold on. Hold on. We just covered how they're in the same classroom theoretically all day, right? Mm-hmm. But they might have specials. But kids definitely come and go. They, like, they, dis- they disappear yeah. for periods of time, and there's no vacant desks. These aren't sick days. They're clearly rotating kids in out in some way. Um, if... If they don't, if they didn't cover the fact that he's in the same room with Corey, like for seven hours yeah. a day, then this wouldn't be a problem at all. You know, it would actually be fairly consistent to have kids in different classes because maybe in geography, they, you know, maybe uh, Topanga has geography with Mrs. Miller, some other teacher or something, mm-hmm. so she's not in the class with them here. So, all right, so the next scene, uh, they're actually at, uh, at Corey's home, and uh, Morgan's sitting on the counter in the kitchen. Throwing out stuff. Have you seen the broad plane? <laughs> well, hold on, but before, before we get there, she the, she throws out something cylindrical that I cannot make out. It's a, it looks like um it's like black or like a charcoal color, and she throws it out. I have no idea what it is. Maybe a can of beets or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, so uh, Eric's doing homework at the desk, and his mom asks him if he can babysit Friday, and he says no. <laughs> Uh, Amy's like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I believe you thought that was a question. You actually have to babysit. And that's when Eric explains that he's taking Heather. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, we, we hear about Heather yet again. I'm um, taking Heather to a concert. Um, he's going to go see Aerosmith. Yes. And that's where Amy's like, oh, good. We can ride together. 
And he's like, whoa, what are you talking about? <laughs> so um, he had uh, he had no idea that his parents would go to the same concert. You know, mm-hmm. They waited kind of like the last minute to tell him that they're going to need him to, to babysit you know, that uh, that same Friday. Um, but uh, he's he's pretty distraught. Um, and and as as he's going through this with Amy, Morgan's still throwing stuff out. <laughs> so um, this might be my favorite scene with Morgan, by the way. <laughs> yes, dude, Morgan. These next uh, couple episodes, Morgan just hits out of the park. They give yeah. her more lines. Uh, her, her stuff, her delivery has actually gotten a lot better too. Mm-hmm. Like she's getting more more comfortable. She does a great job. Yeah, like with this uh, little kid role. So it's, it's not awkward. It's not overacted. It seems to be right on the money. Yeah, and it's funny. So. Um, Eric, Eric says something to his mother about like having this like large generational gap between him and his parents, and asks him like, "Aren't Peter, Paul, and Mary like playing somewhere? <laughs> like, can't you go see them instead?" And that's when uh, Corey, Sean, um, Corey, Sean, and Ellis walk in, and they're physically holding Minkus, like they're holding him hostage. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and this is where uh, like uh, Corey um, messes something to his mom, like, "Oh, have you met my?" Have you met my friend Minkus? And then and Minkus is like, call my mother. And as they're taking him up the stairs, he says something. He gives, it's got to be a, a zip code. He says, I wrote it down. He says, 27842, it's the only Minkus in the book. What was he telling her here? Was there a couple numbers before that that no. we missed? <laughs> no. Because when he walked in, I thought he said like an eight something. Did he really? He might have said the first three Did numbers. Did I miss? Maybe. Okay, so it would have to be so back then we still only did seven phone numbers. Yeah, no like area phone codes. numbers. So that would that would only leave us two digits short. Maybe there, I'm pretty sure there were some more numbers when he first walked in. Okay, so at, since we're talking about a potential error that we made, I have to. I'm just going to pause right here and point out the error that we made mm-hmm. in the last episode. Okay, <laughs> I talked about how almost, I said Melissa Milano was <laughs> 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 Funky Brewster. She was not. She definitely wasn't. She was uh, in. She was in Who's the Boss? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where my headspace was. Um, admitted I never saw the show before. Uh, I guess I wasn't that big of a fan of the boss either. Um, did you look up who the real Punky Brewster was? I did not. No. Okay, it's funny because it's actually a little bit ironic. Um, her name was uh, uh, so she. The one thing you might recognize her from as an adult was uh, I wasn't big on watching Friends, but it was one of those things that would come on when I was doing homework or whatever. Yeah, where I would watch it was always while. on. Punky Brewster is um, the girlfriend that Joey from has has at one point. That does all these little punches and beats him up. Okay. Like she's like, they're supposed to be like cute, friendly punches, and he finds them very painful. <laughs> and the interaction ends up happening with uh, Rachel, Jennifer Aniston's character, um, is that like he she doesn't want to date her anymore because she's really rough, and she makes fun of him, you mm-hmm. know, for uh, for being afraid of these like little rapid punches that she gives. But then. Um, Punky Brewster essentially starts punching <laughs> Jennifer Aniston and she realizes she doesn't care for it either. Her real name is uh, uh, Soleil Moon Fry, of all things. <laughs> yeah. um, something that I probably should have known. So, um, all right. So, moving past my, my error here. So, as they're taking her up the stairs, um, Amy walks over to Morgan, who has thrown stuff out. <laughs> she sees the, the, the broccoli in the trash and she says, um, do, you, do you remember what she says here? Um, I know they asked her, "Did you drop the broccoli?" And she's like, <laughs> "Well, yeah." She says, uh, "So, what's the broccoli doing in the trash?" Yeah, and hiding Morgan, the liver, <laughs> hiding the liver, like really sheepishly. Yeah. Um. So, and I think uh, Amy even pulls the liver out of the trash can. It was in a bag. Yeah. I don't know if there was bag. anything else in the trash uh, can. All right, Mark. Have you ever eaten liver before? Yes. Okay. How was it? It's it's okay. I mean, 
It, it's got to have bacon. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. All right. What does it taste like? Um, Clearly, I've never had it before. Else. So it, it is very like if you know what iron tastes like, the metal. It does yeah. have like a high iron, and you can taste that. Um, that doesn't sound good. No, most people don't like it. Okay. So All right. the the bacon kind of masks. It. Why did you have liver? Because I like bacon. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people that wait, 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 bacon wait, makes everything wait, better. Wait. You could have had the bacon by itself. You could have bacon wrapped scallops, bacon with chicken, bacon and eggs. Why did you have bacon and liver? Because somebody made it and it okay. had bacon in okay. it. <laughs> so the reason why you had liver was someone made it with bacon and you were willing to give it a try. Yeah, okay. and I'll eat it because it has bacon in it. <laughs> who, who made it? My mom. Okay. Does she like it? Yeah. Liver? Okay. It's also like something we've grown up with. Really? Um, yeah. Um, it might be like a Jewish thing. My mom's Jewish. So it might, I don't know if it's something that she had growing up. Interesting. Or, or like, I don't know, maybe it's because the English side of her family. But it's something she had growing up. And like, I've had it since I was a kid, so I don't mind it. I mean, look. There's but a, bacon. There's a lot of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I used to be a much pickier eater than I am now. Um, there's a lot of stuff people eat that I don't eat. Liver's just never been one of those things that, yeah. that I sought out to eat. I never wanted to go buy it to make it. And uh, I honestly, liver being this gross thing to eat is a yeah. punchline in a lot of like '90s jokes and, and broccoli too. But I like broccoli. Yeah, broccoli is actually pretty good. If you, as long as you make it right, mm-hmm. like when it's steamed, it's okay. But if you if you char it a little bit, either mm-hmm. under a broiler or in a pan or something, or even really raw, good. like I don't mind broccoli. I tried it raw. I can't do it. No, I can't do it. No. <laughs> but um, do you remember the show Doug on Nickelodeon? Yeah. The whole thing about liver and onions. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? No, like, I don't. Okay. I remember <laughs> the beats. This is like a, yes. Okay, so the beats are a band. Liver and onions is a, it's a meal that um, for whatever reason Doug is like petrified of eating liver mm-hmm. and spe- well, liver and onions sounds even worse, I guess, to him. Uh, to me, the onions sound like the good part, and there's a whole entire episode about him being afraid of eating it because he's going to go to. Patty Mayonnaise's house, mm-hmm. and that's what she said she's feeding everybody. It turns out it's not what she was feeding everybody. It was just a joke. Um, anyway, so liver has often been the punchline. So poor liver. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. So after this, we, we switch over to the bedroom, and that's where uh, the boys are uh, in the room with, with Minkus. And by the boys, I mean Sean, Corey, and Ellis. And they're trying to convince Minkus to change his image. It's yes. almost not too late. And um, do you they ask him like, do you like uh, you know being picked last all the time? Do you like um, being made fun of? <laughs> and he, he says no, no. I say, do you like having your 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 basically getting wedgies? Yeah. And he says it's not so bad. Yeah, which is code for you know what? I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> it's super weird. <laughs> it's just super weird. I know he's a dork, but why? Like he's I don't understand why. But they're they're really being mean to him, and they. He says to them, if I drop out of this tournament and change my image, will you guys like me? And they say, no. Um, <laughs> at least they're says, honest. And then he says, will you at least stop throwing uh, uh, balls at my head when we play Bombardment? And then they agree to that. And Ellis freaks out. He's like, what's the point of playing if we can't throw balls at his head? Uh, so they convince him to drop out of the uh, geography tournament. And they're going to try to make him, I guess, more like them, even though he knows they're actually not going to be really nice or be his friend. Let's see. So the, the next scene, any, anything on the bedroom before I move on, actually? No, but um, we're going to come back to Aerosmith, right? Yes, we are. Okay. So Eric's, they go back to the kitchen and Eric's talking to his parents about the concert. And um, his, uh, his 
Amy's like, you know, this isn't your first Aerosmith concert. Or at least, I think that's what Alan says, and Amy's like, you know, we were there and you were here, and basically you were in, um, Mm -hmm. you're my belly. And that's where Morgan throws in, you ate him? (laughs) It's one of her many good lines in this one. Yeah. Um, So. Go ahead. Yeah. So, in 1993, they would have been touring off the Get a Grip album, which was... That's their a really popular big, album. Yes, it was their first number one album, and they've been around for like 20 years. Yeah. So, like, that song had at least three or four big singles yeah. back in the early 90s. Sure and, like, the Liv Tyler music video, right? Well, no, I'm sorry. No. She, Alicia like, Silverstone. I think they both were in them, but Alicia Silverstone was the yeah, big one. Yeah, she was one. in the big one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Aerosmith, I think Get a Grip was either my first or second CD that I got. Hmm. Um, so, that would have been that. And then three that? years later, my first concert, too. So, uh, I guess it's fairly relevant for this age group to be into Aerosmith then? Um, I think so. Like, that was a, like, MTV was huge at the time. And like you were saying, Alicia Silverstone, they were getting tons of airplay on MTV. Yeah. So, I think it's, it's fair to see, to say that Eric would be interested in, in them at that time. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, um, when I was younger, if you don't mind me tangent into music a little bit. Go for it. I remember like the, the music I listened to was actually greatly influenced by my parents. Mm-hmm. Like tremendously. Um, I don't know how it came about, but when I was really little, like elementary school, um, I mean like kindergarten, pre-K, my mom, for some reason, wanted me to be into Genesis, you know, the Phil Collins <laughs> band. And she some even, good stuff. She even bought me a cassette tape. I'm pretty sure my first album I ever owned was, uh, was Genesis's uh, album, um, I forget what the album was called, but it had Hot Sun on it okay. and some other stuff. And she was like, you're going to like this. Um, <laughs> the first band I can ever remember hearing um, and just being like, oh, I, I need to be into this uh, might have been uh, might have been Bon Jovi. Okay. And then after that, though, uh, I was moving, like, I was... I was in and out of the house playing your, with my friends. Mm-hmm. Your brother was big into 80s rock My brother, bands. yeah, he was. I never got into it, though. Mm-hmm. Like, not the stuff. So, but here's them. This changed my, my life. I don't know if my dad knows this. Um, so it's entirely his fault, if you want to look at it <laughs> this way. Uh, when I was, like, in and out of the house as a kid, one day my dad was playing Metallica. So his brother had bought the album and made a copy for him on cassette. And I was walking through to get something out of my room. And he was playing Enter Sandman. And I was like, that's awesome. And mm-hmm. I felt almost like weird asking him about it. And I was like, Dad, what was that? And he made me my own copy. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to it, and I was freaking hooked. And I've been into, like, metal bands ever since. That was, yeah. like, my kind of like my gateway band into metal. Mm-hmm. And the first one I could really remember, like, really gravitating towards, loving the whole album. Because even, like, with Bon Jovi, I just had, like, a few tracks. Yeah. And, um, the, Metallica was one of my first CDs I got. Once the Black Album CDs. was fantastic. It was. Um I didn't know any other stuff before mm-hmm. that, so that's where I started out. But it was just so good. Uh, so I guess um, kind of what I'm getting at was uh, like, I'm not sure why Eric is so oblivious to the fact that his parents would also maybe be into Aerosmith. Um, I feel like, yeah, maybe like, well, I don't know how he thinks they're a new and hip band. Do you think you would have thought that way at that time? Um, These are younger guys. I-, I can't speak in the frame mindset of a 15 year old at the time. But, like, he's just seeing their new stuff on the MTV. That's true. Hearing it on the radio. So he might not be familiar with... Like, Dream On. <laughs> yeah, Walk This Way. and Right. Like, their big hits from the 70s and right. what was resurrected in the 80s and stuff like that. So he might just be familiar with the Get a Grip album. Right. Which is new. Mm-hmm. So... And that's uh, uh, even more evident by... Uh, basically, his, his parents explain that they are going to be uh, in the third row. 
row CC or something mm-hmm. like that. And Eric's going to be like 60 rows behind him or whatever. Um, and Eric says, I don't even want to go to the same concert as you, so I'm going to go see if there's any tickets left for Eric Clapton. <laughs> Another like older performer um, like from that time. And that's where Amy says to Alan, do you want to tell him that we also have tickets to that concert, basically? Um, so Eric seems to be into... I older they music were, artists without being anywhere any, like at all aware of it. I thought they were implying that Eric Clapton was also from like the sixties and seventies. Yeah, they their, were their time frame. I don't know if they had tickets. I've seen Eric Clapton in concert. Also. Oh no! When they said, "Do you want to tell him?" the, the in, implication was like, because he's walking out of the room. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go see Eric Clapton instead. Gotcha. And, like, do you want to tell gotcha. him? Like he's going to be disappointed to find out we're also seeing that one. So mm-hmm. apparently, his parents like go to a lot of concerts. Yeah. So um, I remember. I'll tell you what. I can definitely get in the headspace of not realizing how old these artists are. Because I remember mm-hmm. when Eric Clapton, like a music video came out. I think it was one about like maybe his one of his kids that passed away. Yeah, Tears in Heaven. Mm-hmm. Huge hit. Mm-hmm. Sad story. And yeah, that was the my only favorite reference for him. Mm-hmm. I, someone told me that he had been around for years and is also like a world renowned um, guitar player. I had no idea. Yeah, not one acoustic performance. How would I know that? He's the only person that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame three times, like solo, Cream. Huh. Um, I forget who the third one is, whether it was with Derek and the Dominoes or another band, but he, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by himself and two other bands. I don't think there's anybody else that has done that. That's, uh, that's actually quite the achievement. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's really rare. Um, so the next scene here, we're back in the classroom, and this is where Minkus has actually been convinced to drop out of this of this geography tournament. Mm-hmm. He, so he approaches Mr. Feeney's desk and says that he wants to withdraw because it doesn't fit his new image. And Mr. Feeney's like, well, what image is that? And he's like, uh, uh, Stuart Minkus, regular guy. And, and Mr. Feeney explains, you know, why would you want to be regular? You know, which is essentially a synonym for, like, for average, mediocre. And Minkus says, because, you know, the exceptional people have bombardment balls thrown at their heads. <laughs> so he doesn't want that anymore. Um, still not going to have any new friends, as we, as we had explained. But, um, you know, he at least wants to, to try to change his image here. Uh, Mr. Feeney tries to kind of trick him into doing the tournament again. Or trying to at least, like, pique his interest by saying, oh, you're the only, the only person I knew that could ever... Um, uh, locate Thrace on a map of the ancient world. Yeah, just go <laughs> and, north of... Yeah. <laughs> and that's when Minkus is like, nope, uh, like, that isn't, and corrects himself and says, that ain't gonna work. Um, so, and Mr. Feeney's like, well, you know, um, I guess I have to respect your decision, if only there was some way I could replace you. And when he turns around, the only other person in the room is Corey. <laughs> like, yeah, here I am, <laughs> user candidate. Um, and Corey, Corey basically explains that, uh, that he's the only option he has and Mr. Feeney's like, well, if that's my only option, you know, then there is... Of course, what he says is, like, I'm the only game in town. Mr. Feeney says, well, then there is no game. <laughs> and um, Corey's trying to convince him to actually let him compete in it. And Mr. Feeney is like, why, you do want to, like, publicly humiliate me in front of everybody? Um, and that's where uh, Corey explains that, like, he just... Um, because he wants this prize so badly, he believes he'll do well. Um, and tells him that, you know, I'm willing to learn something from you, you know. Yeah, which is a first, right? <laughs> right, which is a first. Because before that, he says, like, I'm an empty vessel. How many times have I heard you, like, how many times have I heard you say that? <laughs> um, so Feeney says that he'll take him on. And uh, although although his motives aren't pure, it's just mm-hmm. to get the prize. You know, he hopes that his, his thirst from the, his quest for the prize will lead him to the temple of knowledge. I mm-hmm. That's how he puts it. 
And Corey's like, yeah, I guess if it's on the way. Um, <laughs> so next scene, they're in Corey's backyard, and Corey is studying outside with a magnifying glass, um, basically studying a map. I want to give Corey credit for something in that last scene, though. Go ahead. He did say Europe is east of Philly, and he was right. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows his cardinal directions. He sure does. <laughs> um, so as they're in, uh, as in the backyard, Corey is studying, and. Ellis and Sean are behind him, basically giving him a hard time, and and they're like, they say something like they're they're saying you got potential. Their, their teachers are calling you a good student, and he said teachers. And I guess I'll go back to this. What other teacher? What yeah. other teacher does Corey have? Yeah, he's got one. Whatever. Um, and Corey is uh, looking at the map, and since since the concept here is that if you study. You start to morph into some sort of genius, I guess. Or yeah, you start that to- has allergies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You start to take on the characteristics of every stereotypical intelligent person, which involves allergies. So you're sitting there looking at the map, and he says, like, Death Valley and, and Mount Whitney, Whitney are only, like, 50 miles, 50 miles apart. apart. I find that extraordinary. Like, he's... And apparently saying the word extraordinary is a really geeky thing to say. He does that weird sniff, like the allergies. It's just such like a, a gross portrayal. Like, can't he just study and be interested in it? Like, can't he just be learning and find it like fascinating without morphing into a completely different person? Right? <laughs> oh, because then Sean throws the ball at him. And what do we hear? Ow. Ow. Yeah. Dude, and they even say, I think Ella says, he's mutating, man. Like, even like saying he's turned into a different person. Um... Then Minkus shows up, and Minkus is wearing the world's largest yellow shorts. I think they're shorts, but on him, they're practically pants because they're so long. Dude, and he's got like uh, a rainbow-striped shirt on. He has a yellow hat. Uh, He couldn't look more ridiculous. This is not at all regular. No. This is not at all fit in (laughs) at all. Oh, and he's got this short sleeve shirt with long sleeve shirt thing going on too. Because underneath the striped shirt is like another yellow shirt. So basically, yellow hat, yellow sweatshirt, striped rainbow shirt on top, big yellow pants, um, high tops. So, Uh, dude. He, it's clear Minkus has no idea what cool is. No, not at all. He just wants to be it, and that's what he's thinking. Um,. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, Sean and, and Ellis don't want to help him out either. <laughs> so, as soon as he shows up, they're like, I'm out of here. And Ellis, I think, is like, too weird for me. Um, okay. So, he walks up to uh, to Corey, and um, Minkus is. Minkus actually offers to do something with Corey. He asks him, he says, Me and my buds are going down to the sewer to break bottles. Uh, what buds? Maybe um, weird kid with the keyboard, <laughs> the kid that wears the cape. <laughs> Maybe so. Basically, so they've all turned into uh, like um, oh, what's what I'm looking for? Not slackers. Something much more judgmental than that. Hooligan. Mis- <laughs> Miscreants. Miscreants. Is that what I'm looking for? Okay. Um, so uh, Corey tries to talk to. Um, to Minkus about something interesting as far as geography mm-hmm. goes, and Minkus doesn't want any part of it. Um, and he's like, and he, he sees Mr. Feeney on the other side of the fence, and he says to him, every time I think I'm out, they try to pull me back in. Um, and he explains that he just watched House of Style on MTV, and like he asked, like, Mr., he asked Mr. Feeney, what do you think of my new look here? <laughs> and, <laughs> and Mr. Feeney's only response is like, 
uh, I think like Western civilization civilization is on its decline, you know, based on what he's wearing. And uh, Mark, we get it again. And in two straight episodes, we got it. I talked about it in episode four. These stupid references to, to oh culture. Beavis and Butthead, son of a dude. <laughs> I, I said in the last episode, <laughs> dude. I said in the last episode they're gonna mention this again. I did not know it was the very next one. So, so not only does he say I'm gonna go watch. So first he says he's gonna go break bottles with his buds, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's canceled because he's gonna go watch Beavis and Butthead now. Yeah. Um. I guess that shows that he's a regular guy or that he's trying to be an idiot and fit in. Um, and we get the stupid woo as he walks away mm-hmm. from Beavis and Butthead. I can't stand it. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, Feeney checks in um, with Corey. And um, uh, basically, uh, Corey, as he's getting excited, as he's studying, he says, Did you know you know that, um, that Hawaii was originally discovered by the, uh, the Earl of Sandwich and that... And then he's like, Mr. Feeney's like, Earl of Sandwich? You don't suppose? He's like, yes. You know, oh, that that Hawaii was originally called the Sandwich Islands. I'm sorry. Do you think Corey was still studying from that outdated textbook? <laughs> and Mr. Feeney just did not tell him. <laughs> well, he, well, he does say that he said it was, it, it is Hawaii now. He does yeah. say that, right? Uh, so here's another problem I, well, kind of a problem I have with it. Um, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes by the end of it because of the way it concludes. Mm-hmm. I think it's just fantastic. I, I just love it so much. Yes. A, a heartwarming ending, okay? But uh, Mr. Feeney, I think, is very much aware that Corey's going to get his butt handed to him in this in this test. Yes, or, absolutely. Sorry, in this tournament. He knows. Absolutely. He's under no delusions. No. That he is going to actually uh, do well here, but he's letting him study material that he's going to do well on the the test that they have in the class. Yes. Um, I think that's apparent because he's won it five times. That's right. So he knows he what type of questions know. are on or, or that they have in this tournament. Right. And mm-hmm. it's obviously not what he's studying. Yeah, this sort of stuff isn't going to be in there. No, because mm-hmm. he's doing surface level stuff and then that's right. they're asking questions that I don't even feel are geography. That's <laughs> 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 it's basically like, well, so Mark, since places exist and uh, geography has to do with places, I can ask you any question about said places, and that's considered a geography question. <laughs> like, okay, so apparently, th- that, yeah, that's how the tournament is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and um, Corey is showing like enthusiasm, and uh, you could tell Mr. Feeney is encouraged by this, you know, as the scene ends, which is yes. really cool. So now they're back in the kitchen. And uh, the parents are giving Corey like a quiz as he's eating like he's eating breakfast, getting ready for the tournament, yeah. which I guess is the same day, it, probably because they're giving yeah. him like a, like a, a cram quiz, and they're quizzing him on different like uh, states, different states, for and states, nicknames and... for states, maybe capitals. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure. And then at the same time, Eric's mentioning these older artists to find mm-hmm. out if they're actually like in his parents. Um, catalog of music they listen yeah, to. Yeah, like Elton John. Elton John, which is a strange one. Yeah. Led Zeppelin. How would he not know that band is super old? Yeah, especially since I don't even know if they were touring at that time. Dude, like, I don't, I don't think, think so. they'd been. Like, 
they're always relevant, but I don't think they were in like the limelight at that point. I think at this point he was just kind of grasping at straws for music they just generally listen to, mm-hmm. not necessarily concerts he's going to see. Yeah. But Led Zeppelin, even as an ignorant kid, I kind of knew that that was an older band. That was classic um, rock. And then he says Tina Turner. Yeah. How do you not know? <laughs> <laughs> and and then that's where Amy says like that's my mother's type of music. So. Um, Eric basically gives up and says something to the effect of, you know, we're just going to be, we'll be there at the same concert. Um, we won't carpool with you, though. I, I think that's, at least originally, he doesn't want to carpool with them. He says, we're going to be there 64 rows behind you, you know, <laughs> breathing down your neck. Um, but I forget if it's at this part or the earlier part where they say something about, like, um, I guess getting binoculars for them so they can actually <laughs> see the stage, which is kind of a jerk thing. You know, your sons go to a concert and obviously he can't afford the same type of ticket level you But, can. like, at the same time, there's so many big bands that came out in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. right around this time frame that were huge back then. What would be one of those? I was thinking maybe, like, Nirvana? Nirvana. Like, that whole Seattle grunge movement. Bush, Live, um, Bush and Live might have been a little bit later, but uh, we're talking Nirvana, we're talking about... Stone Temple, Temple Pilots, Pilots were right around then. Um, Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Yeah. Um, late 80s was uh, Guns N' Roses. Um, yeah. So I guess where it doesn't fit the narrative, though, is like it has to be a concert the parents would go to. Yeah. Not that they can't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, my parents didn't listen to Nirvana. I certainly mm-hmm. did. I wasn't a fan. So I guess that's <laughs> what they were going with. But you would think that mm-hmm. one of the bands you would mention might be... Something a little more modern. Mm-hmm. Can, can I just ask you your opinion? Uh, music of that era, I look back on it not very fondly in general. Um, hit but, and miss for me. I like things that have like obnoxious guitar. And the grunge movement started to move away from that. Wait, you like things that have obnoxious guitar? Is yes. you just said? Yes, obnoxious sounding guitar. Usually Forefront. the word obnoxious is not the term of like endearment. Yeah, but like what I mean when I'm saying that is it's taking the forefront. It's like the focus of it. Like okay. it's pushing everything else aside and says, hey, listen to me. And you're saying the like those it's bands, loud yeah th- those count those fall in that category of bands like Nirvana and stuff Nirvana I wouldn't say no okay um, he's considered a good guitarist but we can talk about Slash with uh, all right um, with Guns N' Roses okay like, um, um, even Van Halen I know it's a different time but, yeah it's you know, a basically early. where where the guitarist is just as like famous as like the the singer like it's very yeah. much the forefront mm-hmm. okay I see what you're getting at. So we can also talk about Alice in Chains because Jerry Contrell was awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, as they uh, as they leave, I guess I guess I'm not sure if Eric goes to school um, like after this scene, but uh, Corey ends up in some school. I don't know where this this is. He's on a stage somewhere. Okay, this, yeah, for the this, tournament for this tournament, which I guess it's a geography B. Yeah, I guess as you called it. Um, I don't remember any geography bees as a kid. And no. We did spelling bees, but it was very much like... In class. Just, and yeah, it's just self-contained. So there are... This is awkward. There's... Corey is the <laughs> fifth child in a row of, um, of five kids. And each of the first four is getting massages from like their mentor or teacher mm-hmm. or principal behind them. Like all of them. Yeah, which isn't appropriate Super weird. at all. And I know like nowadays maybe we're a little more sensitive to that stuff, but mm-hmm. it wasn't appropriate then either. No. My teachers didn't ever put no. a hand on me. This is super awkward. Um, and that's where uh, Mr. Feeney asks uh, Corey, he's like, are your shoulders tense, Mr. Matthews? And he goes, maybe a little. He's like, can I suggest you go like this? Yeah, and rotate your shoulders. I yeah. thought that was a really good line. So Mr. Feeney is the only one 
who's actually showing the appropriate behavior and not touching the kids. Yeah. So, um, Corey's actually exuding a ton of confidence here. He thinks he has this thing in the bag from all the studying he's done. I can totally <laughs> see this happening um, for anybody where if you study something in a vacuum, especially just like recent stuff. Yeah. It's like imagine – imagine uh, – Oof, maybe trying to be maybe if I'm going to do like um, we're, we're hockey fans okay yeah. we're going to go on some sort of quiz show where they talk about hockey and we know all about our 90s and 2000s hockey and, and going forward but they're going to be asking questions about Gordy Howe and um, Maurice the Rock mm-hmm. Richard and players they played with and stuff it's like oh and schemes it's like I and... thought I actually knew all this stuff but I didn't actually go back and look at the older stuff mm-hmm. um, so it's not just like like older versus newer his just his scope of what he thinks this tournament is is way off but again, uh, as we talked about, Feeney lets him do it, and um, it seems like he knows how this is going to turn out. Uh, so, right, Corey goes from being super, super confident here, and even he starts uh, JD, like uh, fantasizing uh, about what it's going to be like to be the Bat Boy. Yeah. And he's like, here you go, Mr. Bonds. Pinch it for you. It'll be my mm-hmm. pleasure. Yeah, because that would happen. That yeah. would definitely happen. They would definitely ask the Bat Boy to, uh, to go hit, you know, for mm-hmm. one of the star players. Barry Bonds uh, gets mentioned in a couple episodes again later, too. Yeah. I guess a really big start this time. The funny thing was, dude, I thought his stardom was much bigger 10 years after this. His yeah. His career went long. I had no idea that he was this young, like 93. He was this big. So I think, I'm not sure if this was pre-steroid speculation. I think um, so. But he was a good player before the steroids. But as soon as like he started juicing up, dude. like... He started hitting home runs, and if, he went huge again. If you look at baseball cards, he looks like a different person. Yes. Especially since, like, in the day, he might have had some facial hair on. Mm-hmm. His his size difference, and then the facial hair on top of that, because facial hair can already can morph you quite a bit, yeah. honestly. Different dude altogether. Yeah. Um, so uh, so they, fl- they fast forward, and now Corey looks like a deer in the headlights. And they are um, they're asking some of the kids questions, and they're basically, like, two questions away from him. And the girl answers um, with one of the, like, who are the Tuamotus? I believe yeah. the Tuamotus. They say it differently throughout the whole episode. Tuamotus, yeah. Tuamotus. And, and it's where the uh, the person, given all the questions, like, it's unnecessary to ask your question or to answer in the mm-hmm. form of a question. Which is funny because she is at least the third person to answer a question. And is this round one? Is this round one? Because he already looks like like flabbergasted. Corey does. Yeah, and so it doesn't sound like he's had a question yet. Right. He's just like, wait, <laughs> what are they getting? <laughs> and then they ask the next girl, uh, and what is like their, um, what's their primary export? Mm-hmm. And she says Copra, which I looked up, and it's like, um, I think it's like fibers from coconuts. Okay. Or something like that. Or whatever. I actually did some research for this episode. Um and, and Corey's like, are they working from a different globe? <laughs> he says out loud. So then they ask him, like, to, to whom do they belong? And he's yeah. like, to whom does who belong? <laughs> like, the two emotus. And then he, just because he panics, he just starts going off on stuff he does now. Yeah. He starts randomly talking about the Sandwich Islands again. Mm-hmm. And um, Earl of Sandwich, Peanut Butter and Jelly, all that stuff. And they fast forward. And um, I noted here... Corey's actually in a different seat when they come back. He was in seat number five when we leave. He's in seat number four when they come back for whatever reason. Were there only four people left? Was somebody eliminated before him? I don't know. But it's just, just like it's just one of the small inconsistencies. Like I get it, dude. Like I, I get it. You cut a scene and you come back and you have to re put it together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you see it in movies. 
maybe someone's like they have a, a red tie on at one point and it changes or it's a different position yeah. or their hair looks different. It's just a freaking seat in a chair. You couldn't take two seconds to look at what seat he was in. So he's in a different seat and he looks uh, completely dejected. And he's like slouching in his chair really bad. Um, and he's basically just mumbling the stuff that, that he knows, that he learned um, from, uh, from all of his studying. And that's when these two girls walk by. Again, perpetuating the fact that intelligent people are annoying. All of them. <laughs> and even that, like, just studying for something like this and having the knowledge makes you intelligent. It's not necessarily a sign of intelligence. It's just yeah. the ability to memorize something. But anyway, as they walk by, the girl's carrying this enormous trophy. And she was the one who gave the answer about the tuomotus. Yeah. And she's walking with the other girl. Which is super awkward in every way possible. And I don't mean awkward as in like she's portraying an awkward character. Just terrible. Just terrible actor. Actress, sorry. Her line delivery sucks. And they're like, what does a bat boy even do? If you are remotely aware of the world, I feel like you know what a bat boy does. Especially in this country. Mm-hmm. Is it? Do you think it's possible that any kid doesn't know what a bat boy does? I, I think it's quite age? possible. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's go back to the stereotype for, for dorks. At least Please. they didn't have allergies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they weren't sniffing and rubbing their nose the whole time. So um, they're like, what does a bat boy even do? And that's when Corey explains they hand bats to the players. And they're like, who would want to do that? And the uh, one awkward girl says, yeah, what a stupid prize. And then we get our Mercator... Projection. Uh, pull down projection yeah. wall map reference again. Uh, okay. So anyway... And that's when Corey just starts like, as they're walking away, he's so disappointed. He's just smacking his head. Um, his own, he's smacking his own forehead that he uh, screwed up um, you know, this tournament because he really thought he was going to win. He had a tremendous amount of confidence. So now Corey's at home and he's in the living room with Eric. And um, we finally meet Heather. We finally meet Heather. Which yeah. means since we finally see her, she's done. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's going to get eliminated after this. Okay, so she's the redhead girl. I, I mentioned it, I think, in one of our first two episodes. She's from that show, it was Unhappily Ever After. Okay. All right, that was the one with, like, the bunny, played by that bobcat guy and whatnot. Oh. So I, I do recognize her, um, at least a little bit. And she's been in, I think she also played, like, a, um, she played a blind girl in something. Like she was, like, a, uh, a blind character, I want to say, in Saved by the Bell. I'll have oh, to look okay. it up and correct myself. Um, so bit parts and except for that one show yeah except for Unhappily Ever After which was a regular because that mm-hmm. was basically just like uh, I don't want to call it a knockoff but it was very much a more modern version of um, Married with Children and okay. she was the Kelly I don't think she's supposed to be like uh, ditzy or anything like at least not not to that extreme yeah. Kelly was portrayed very poorly uh, Christina Applegate but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah she um, so we get to actually meet Heather um, and he is they are uh, Eric is complaining about how his parents behaved at the concert and and Heather actually thinks it's pretty cool that they went yeah. she thinks it's adorable that Amy actually sat on Alan's shoulders at one point during this so were they They're watching like, the concert or just his parents like wait what oh yeah <laughs> they spent well, so much time watching them that they forgot that there was a band well, on stage okay, okay so first um, does anyone in row 3 sit on someone's shoulders um, only if they're obnoxious. But <laughs> come back to the word. Do you like how I use the word this time? Yes, that's the appropriate use of the word obnoxious. So um, they're in row three. They're at least 35. They're my age, at least, right? Mm-hmm. To have these kids. 
Because they say that Eric was born in like 78. Like he was in yeah. the womb in 78. Yeah. Okay, this is 93. Um, you know, it's reasonable to assume they, they would have had him like, you know, early 20s. These, they're kind of at least 35. That's a very awkward thing to do. To put your wife on your shoulders in row three at an Aerosmith concert for these guys that are probably already 35, 40 at the time, if not older. Yeah, I mean, you know, certain just, concerts, even when you have seats, everyone stands up anyway. But, yeah, so. it's just awkward. But anyway, uh, Heather seems to think this is all great. Oh, it says that they were dancing in the aisles and whatnot. So, yeah, you're right. They were paid too, way too much attention to the parents. And then Eric goes, why well, didn't tell you the worst thing that they did? And their parents walk in, and they're wearing denim. And like, tie-dye. Denim and tie-dye. So I think uh, Amy has, like, a denim skirt on. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alan is all denim, dude. He's got the denim jacket denim jeans then the tie-dye shirt um oh before he says they uh before when he says like i didn't tell you the worst thing they did morgan goes what did they do because everything she says in this episode is awesome um that's when they come in wearing what they wore and um and and amy uh, starts talking about how great the concert was and and eric is sarcastic like yeah this is great you know i waited all year round i waited like all year long to go to this thing and then my parents basically ruined it for me so you know and um he he said you're not supposed to go to concerts you're supposed to sit at home and wait for me to come home yeah i think uh alan hits the nail on the head on this one though go ahead um where he says i forget what his exact quote was Mm -hmm. um but like parents are allowed to have fun live with it yeah he basically says like what you like when i was a kid what i wanted was uh no, parents like the ones you have. Yeah. You know, but what I had, you know, I had the parents you want, you mm-hmm. know, the old boring ones, but it's much better to have ones like, um, like ones like us because we're more fun, you know. Yeah. So uh, they also say they have backstage passes mm-hmm. for Aerosmith. Uh, I just, I feel like they behaved like they were 16 as parents. Well, I mean, 35. They're right around our age, 35 to 40. I guess. In this episode. And, um, you know what it is, though? I got this thing that I, I'm not big on the celebrity thing. I don't care. Like, I think a picture with a celebrity is cool. I'm not a big on autographs. Backstage thing, I guess, like, d- does sound pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because of movies and whatnot, I have this preconceived notion of what backstage, <laughs> what a band looks like. And it's not wholesome. It's probably not accurate at all. It, it's probably not. I've never gone backstage for, for concerts. I'll tell you, my sister has, and it was super cool. I think she met, um, oh, Dead, Theory of a Dead Man. Okay. Yeah. And some others, I believe. Um, and she had, like, uh, and her uh, her husband, I met Chris Jericho, like, with, with Fozzie and yeah. stuff like that. I don't know if that was backstage, but they've gotten access to, to bands and always have the most positive things to say yeah. about these experiences. My sister um, was just, like, uh, she adored the band, so they're so humble, so easygoing, you know, not, mm-hmm. like, not like stars. You ever, remember that movie... Uh, rock star with Mark Wahlberg yes Miles Kennedy's in that yes he is but like the band around Mark Wahlberg are a bunch of douchebags (laughs) and like they're very much into themselves but Mm -hmm. apparently that's not like at least nowadays it's not an accurate portrayal of what most people say they run into when they meet people Um, it it also might come down to that um, rock stars now and people in the music industry like yeah they make all their money they don't make any money on the CDs Uh Or minimal, mm-hmm. and everything is from concerts and merchandise, mer- merchandise, mm-hmm. and then their um, their interactions with people through these meet and greets. Yep. So um, for some of them, it might be a performance with the 
with the fans, but that's important right? because it's an image and you want people to like you. So you go out there and you put on a show for sure. And then you go backstage and you put on a show. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I, I forgot to mention was he, he refers to himself and Corey as a couple of like, uh, as losers. Mm-hmm. Basically like Corey lost a geography tournament and he like lost his, his uh, his generation to his parents, like his musical generation, <laughs> <laughs> which is not his generation at no, all. No, he's competing on theirs. And bands, as we talked about, they can transcend generations. Of course, yeah. You know, I, I learned Metallica from my father. I mean, come on. Uh, he also refers to his parents as Sonny and Cher. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is just like uh, just venom <laughs> with everything he says everything sarcastic and just brutal and uh, I thought Alan has a great line here he's like uh, he's like I'm sorry uh, you know as your parents we're at this awkward age where we are your parents but we're not dead yet yeah so, <laughs> that's what I was referring to earlier so um, Eric goes to take Heather home and Alan makes him sit down Eric definitely can't drive right now Oh, no license. It, it looked like they were about to walk into the door, like they had no intention of opening it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were inches from the door, and nobody was reaching no for there. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those automatic doors. You get close enough, it opens for you. It's, that, it's just one of those weird things. Yeah, just just pretend you're opening the door. Yeah, Dude, I didn't even notice that though. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, and Alan makes them sit. And the impression you get here is, here comes a horrible lecture. Yeah. And uh, he makes him sit down on the on the couch. And it seems like he's actually going to yell. Like, you're preparing. As even the viewer, you're preparing for him to get yelled at. And uh, and Eric's like, you know, it really wouldn't be cool to yell at me for my girlfriend. And Heather's shaking her head like, yeah, no, it wouldn't be cool. <laughs> like, please don't do that. And that's where Alan gives, you know, that explanation we talked about where when I was a kid, you know, um, I had a father like the one you want. But what you have is, but you know. But, uh, sorry, what I wanted was a father like the one you got. And um, gives him a kiss on the head and says, like, live with it or something. Yeah. And goes upstairs. And then Eric realizes, hey, did my parents just leave us alone? You know, like, like, they weren't alone Heather. the whole time that their parents were still at the right. concert? Well, Corey and Morgan were there. But yeah, you're right, dude. They had plenty of time when they got <laughs> yeah. home. They had plenty of time. They could have been in any room doing whatever they wanted. <laughs> And that's when uh, Eric's like, I'm the cool kid with, like, the lucky kid with the cool parents. Um, and I think he even turns out the light. And then mm-hmm. that's when Alan peeks off the stairs and goes, not that cool. And then, um, you know, Eric has to turn the light back on because mm-hmm. there's not going to be any uh, any fun. <laughs> parents yeah. can have fun. Kids can't. Listen, I would just say this. Listen. Um, uh, okay. As an adult, especially, maybe, and not even factoring that I have kids, as an adult, coming up in the next season and beyond, talking about the romantic happenings of these kids might be a little awkward. Just might be a little bit. I didn't really think about that before we got into this. But uh, anyway, it doesn't have to be inappropriate, but it might be slightly uncomfortable. Um, So now we're we're back in school and the bell rings and all the kids get up and um, Mr... uh, Minkus uh, approaches the um, Minkus. Minkus, yeah. He approaches Mr. Feeney, and Mr. Feeney's like, "I see you. You know, you dropped this MTV look." And that's where Minkus explains he's um, more of a uh, a Connie Chung kind of guy rather than mm-hmm. Cindy Crawford. Look, just because he's a dork doesn't mean he can't be into you know the the yeah. girls that are considered attractive at that time. But whatever. And Feeney says something like, "Sometimes a man has to walk like a mile on another man's humongous pants mm-hmm. to discover themselves." Um, so, 
So Corey is still in the room, um, and as Minkus walks by, and he asks him about, uh, he asks him who owns the, the two Omotus. Yeah, France. And, and Minkus, of course, knows and says it's France. And as he walks out, uh, Corey's pretty disappointed and walks up to Mr. Feeney and says, you know, um, uh, Minkus probably would have brought home, like, the big six, you know, the next trophy, right, or the next prize. So after he explains that he would have, like, brought home the, the big six, Mr. Feeney confirms and says, yeah, he probably would have. Um... And, uh, you know, he, he asks uh, Corey if he believes he gave it his best, and Corey said he, he does believe he gave it his best. And, um, and Mr. Feeney makes this analogy where he says, you know, a lot of, like, 15th century explorers thought that um, the discovery and, and geography meant you're taking you know, your little boat to the, the farthest edge of the earth until, like, it fell off the edge of the earth. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, uh, and you, in your quest for this prize, I was taking you to, like, to your furthest latitudes, and you know, I believe we discovered you know, new territory together. And he hands him his test, his most recent recent geography exam. And Corey's surprised that he got an A. He goes, "Wow, I got an A!" And that's when um, uh, Feeney goes, "Yes, Mr. Matthews." And he turns and he goes over to his little corkboard where he has yeah. all of his prizes of the last five years for winning the uh, geography tournament. And there's one empty spot for that sixth prize, and he. Uh, takes a thumbtack and he puts the exam right in that spot and says, we won. And then um, you even hear someone in the crowd go like, right, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's a real studio audience, but, and then they, they cheer real loud and they even do like a, uh, a reluctant like high five, you know, where yeah. they slap hands. Um, and I just thought that was a really cool moment, like in this, in this show. One of my favorites, just like a heartwarm, uh, a, a like legitimately heartwarming moment there. Yeah, that's a big moment for any teacher. Like when mm-hmm. a student actually achieves, like, um, I don't want to use the word actually achieves, but when they achieve, when they have that light bulb moment, when you can yeah. see something that's not clicking, and then that moment when it does, you can see it on their faces. Yeah. And then when they they take that information and they actually perform well on an assessment with it. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why we teach. And it also shows that, like, although winning the prize would have been nice Mm -hmm. he is like he sees it just as rewarding just Mm -hmm. as fulfilling to see Corey reach his like full potential like in this particular exam so uh, just a great message overall and we talked about how you know season one has a lot of those it's really what it's built around Mm -hmm. Um, and I just thought this was a particularly um, a particularly great one yeah no drama just story so um we, I believe, after this, we go to like our typical commercial break. You know, before like the very final scene. Yeah, the final right? shot. They always goat you in with that. Like, thank goodness we have <laughs> Disney Plus. We don't have to sit around for a commercial. <laughs> for this. I remember as a kid, like waiting around for multiple minutes of commercials just to get these final. Yeah, it's like seconds. the original end credit scene. Right, and some of these are just <laughs> it sure is, and some of these are just so throwaway. But it's it's a, actually it's a brilliant way to get some extra ads in there that people would otherwise turn off. Yeah, and then go get a snack or a drink before watching the next show or whatever. Yeah. So Corey's watching baseball, and I guess presumably, so they're this must be the World Series. Yeah, with Barry Bonds. It's got to be in '93 because he wasn't playing. He didn't play because the bat, the girl who won the prize, is there with a sign about freeing the two emotes. So mm-hmm. like. Okay, so apparently it all comes together. Not only does she know the answer to that question, she's also very passionate about the answer to that question, about getting France out of the two emotions. <laughs> um, and this is apparently like the World Series is what? The, 
this can't be more than a week later. I, I know this is yeah. obviously just a throwaway credit scene, but come on, man. Like, they think that she's already the Batgirl or Batboy right away. Yeah. Um, unless, are we expected to believe it's a different person? And the two emotives thing is just like a coincidence, <laughs> are we? I, I don't think maybe so, we think. are because then like the, the two announcers go back and forth about like what are the two emotives and they and they go back and forth and give us some facts here. Um, I think they say like the the Yagans like they yeah it's like no those were the Yagans and that's where um, the episode actually ends. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you think of the of this one overall? Um, this one was probably one of my favorites of the season so mm-hmm. far. Uh, like we were talking about early earlier, um, Morgan in this episode was was great. So good. Um, I like the fact that there's there's not too much drama. It's just a standalone story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some like good jokes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of my favorites so far. Yeah, me too. Um, we'll reiterate again. Um, Morgan, fantastic episode for her. Lots of great lines. Uh, coming into her own, like mm-hmm. to start using more comfortably. It makes like uh, I'm not sure if you had done any research on it yet. Um, I haven't, but it makes her her exclusion from the next season even more strange. Like in season three, I believe there is no Morgan, and then in season four, I think they bring back the new Morgan. Well, we'll have place. to look into that. That was probably like um, it's odd. Yeah, it, it might not have been by choice. Maybe the actress. Like they didn't, her parents didn't want her to work anymore. Maybe wanted a normal life. You know, which but might we'll have to find out. Probably yeah. for that reason. So the parents probably thinking ahead, like, look, I don't want her branded forever. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just her lack of interest, or if they just wrote her out of the show, because um, yeah, they, they don't. They definitely include her in this in the story beats in season one here. Yes. In season two, there's I'm not sure if there's necessarily less opportunities to do that when they're in. Uh, seventh grade and beyond here uh but maybe that was a justification for it they just didn't need her on the payroll like yeah. who knows um yeah this this one just had a, a great feel-good moment at the end um yeah so i i really enjoyed this one so um all right mark i believe that concludes for us episode five of our uh sean's lost siblings podcast here yep all right, man. Well, I will uh, see you for episode uh, episode six. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs>